Good morning and greetings to each of you in the name of Jesus this morning. The message that I felt the Lord leading me to today is a little bit more of a negative message, more of a message of warning to us, but it's born out of a need that I see in my own life. I enjoy laughing with people. I enjoy having a good time. And I would say that most people do. I believe that humor has a valuable place in our interactions with one another. It can bring relaxation to a tense situation or can just be the normal outflow of relaxed relationships. And I think that's good. I believe that families and friends should laugh often together and that it should be part of the way that we enjoy each other's company. The question is, can it be overdone? That's the question that I've been thinking about some recently. Can funny things become an obsession and we forget how serious life is? You know, things are so easy here in America. For the most part, we don't have the day-to-day -day struggle of survival that has been a big part of the human experience in history. And one of the things that I've noticed in my life is how easy it is to fill my life with the trivial, with the light and easy. It's so much easier to have fun than to deal with the things that are difficult. But is that good? Is our attraction to amusement an attempt to escape the reality that life is difficult? To hide from the seriousness that life is the beginning of eternity, an eternity that many souls will spend in hell because they didn't take life seriously enough. Hebrews 9.27 tells us, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment. You know, the truth about life is that it's a serious business. And at the end of life, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Did you notice that this does not have an amoral option? The deeds are either good or bad. The things we are doing day by day have an eternal consequence. For text this morning, let's go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, and look at the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 21, verses 29 through 36. The context here is Jesus talking to his disciples about the destruction of Jerusalem and the return of Christ. And he says this in a parable, And he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, Ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always that ye may 
be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. There's specifically want to look at verse 34 and emphasize some things there. It says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. And then in verse 35, he says that it will be like a snare, that that day will be like a snare. Something that seems fine and safe, but ends up being destructive. And a snare reminds me of an animal that is the enemy of farmers and the enemy of deer. That animal is a coyote. They're a very wily creature. And to catch them in a trap, you really have to know what you're doing. But a fairly amateur trapper can catch a coyote in a snare. All he has to do is find a place where they're going through the fence, hang your snare across the opening, and the coyote comes running along. Everything looks just fine. Everything seems normal until it's too late. And to consider that illustration, just the normal, his normal run of life gets him in trouble because he's not careful and doesn't see what's happening. And the question for us is, will we be snared because we ignore the seriousness of life? Because we become distracted from the eternal and spiritual realities of our existence? And are we aware that someone is out to get us? 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. When I read the, this verse, I think about a reoccurring dream I had when I was a young boy. In the dream, I would be out behind the house or in the garden or somewhere uh, not far from the house, and I would look up and hear running across the field was a lion. And as a young boy, I was very scared of lions. And I would immediately turn and run for the house. But the problem was in my dream that it was like I couldn't move fast. I was sluggish. I was caught in some kind of restriction and I couldn't get to the door. And oftentimes, even if I did get to the door, then I couldn't get the door open. And I would wake up from those dreams terrified. And it makes me wonder, how would we live differently if we knew that there was a lion prowling around in our backyard or in our neighborhood looking to devour us? And you know, we have an adversary that's like a lion. How would you approach going outside if there was a lion out there? You would certainly want to be on the alert at all times. You wouldn't want to get too absorbed in what you're doing. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. And that word sober there means to abstain from wine. I'm going to I want to look at that a little bit more in depth here in a little bit. And the word vigilant means to keep awake and to watch. And those are 
very similar concepts to what Jesus talks about in the passage we just read from Luke. Looking back now at that, Jesus says in verse 34, he says, take heed to yourselves. In verse 36, he says, watch and pray always so that you can avoid this snare. And how does he say we'll be snared? In verse 34, he says, the day will come upon you unawares. You'll be unprepared. Because, and why is that? Why is that going to happen? Why are you going to be unprepared? It's going to be because your heart has become overcharged or it's become overly concerned with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And there's something else I want to notice that is in this passage as well. And that's the fact that it's going to be that time is the snare. That that day is going to come upon you unawares. And I want us to remember that because I think that's important and it's an important part of what I want to share later on in the message that time is part of what is involved in this, this thing of life and that we are moving through life and <clears throat> in what we call time and how we use that time and what we do with that time is so important in coming to the end of time and facing Christ standing before him. But now thinking about this thing of our hearts being overcharged or overcome or filled up with these things, what was Jesus talking about when he was talking, when he talked about surfeiting and drunkenness? Well, surfeiting is the effect of excessive use of something. And drunkenness is having our minds altered by substance. So I believe Jesus was talking about a lot more than just the effects of alcohol on our lives. And we might say, well, you know, I don't use alcohol or drugs at all. But is that all there is that can consume and alter our minds? And people turn to alcohol and drugs to alter their reality, to forget about their situation. But are there things we can turn to in an attempt to alter our reality? Are there things that in and of themselves might not be completely wrong that can alter our reality? I would like for us to consider a little bit the issue of amusement. We think about amusement, or maybe the definition, I should say the definition we give to amusement is, and this is, this is from the dictionary, amusement is to call someone to find something funny or to entertain. And that's the meaning we apply to the word in modern English. But I want to go back to the root of that word and think about it from the perspective of its root and what it originally meant. To muse which is the root word of amusement. To muse is to think or ponder. So to consider carefully, to think or ponder. 
the, uh, the original meaning of amuse was to divert the attention so as to deceive, to occur, to occupy the attention of. So the original meaning of amuse was to divert the attention away from something. And I think that's actually a better description of what amusement actually is than the meaning that we give it. Because amusement does cause us to find something funny or entertaining, but it also distracts us from other things. It turns our attention. And to muse is to think or ponder. And I'd like to compare it this way. A theist is someone who believes in God. An atheist is someone who does not believe in God. So adding that A before the word gives it the opposite meaning. So if to muse is to think and ponder, to amuse is to not think and ponder. It's to be distracted or pulled away from. And I think that to divert the attention so as to deceive is a very good explanation for amusement. Now, to be amused by something isn't wrong in and of itself. But what if we're consumed by it? What if it's excess? What if we have taken it too far? And that's part of what I'm trying to focus on or think about. And the craze that our world has for amusement is a form of drunkenness. It clouds their minds from the painful reality of a sin-cursed world. Entertainment becomes a pursuit of life, but entertainment doesn't satisfy, and so it becomes a snowball effect of more and more, bigger and better. And I believe that Satan is using amusement to divert the attention of humanity so as to deceive them from this reality, from the reality that the spiritual is so important and we need, he wants to destroy us. He wants us to be taken by that snare by being unprepared. That's part of how he is deceiving the world. My question for you is, is he deceiving us? We are bombarded by amusement, by silliness, by frivolity. And it comes to us in many forms. It comes in speech, in text, in video. It comes to us via electronics, the printed page, social media, advertisement, and conversation. Are we really thinking seriously about how this is affecting us? I believe that this is a serious danger to our spiritual lives. Are we even aware that we are becoming intoxicated with what is hilarious, the next funny comment, or gif, or joke, or video clip, to make us laugh, holds more of our attention than our devotional time and content? Is that what the New Testament teaches that the Christian's life should look like? I don't believe it is. The New Testament instructs us multiple times 
to be sober or to think or live soberly. The original words that those are translated from is to be of sound mind or to abstain from wine. And there's another passage, and I want you to hold on to that thought for a little bit. There's another passage in Ephesians 5 that's been convicting and challenging me recently. Start reading in Ephesians 5 verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become the saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. I'm going to stop reading there for a bit. And I want to think about these words, foolish, filthiness, foolish talking, or jesting. And these words have a connotation of perversion and, and uselessness. So it's talking about conversation that is perverse or has threads of perversion in it, or it's useless, or things that shouldn't be said and are being said anyway. And goes on to say in this passage, they're not convenient or they're not fit for the Christian life. Verse Then continuing on in verse 5, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And so it's saying that this kind of language, this kind of talking is not convenient. It's not fit for the person who is part of the kingdom of God. And those that do those things don't have a place in the kingdom of God. And then verse 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye therefore, be not ye therefore partakers with them. So it's saying that don't be deceived by vain words. Don't be deceived into thinking that these things are okay because God's going to bring judgment on them. And that very nearly parallels the words of Jesus in Matthew 12, verses 35 through 37, where he says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So our words have tremendous implications. The things that we say, but not just the things that we say, the things that we listen to, the things we engage in, the things that are part of who we are on a regular basis. Part of what has made me think about this message and be convicted about this personally has been the fact that I'm spending more time at home right now, and I believe we are, than we normally, we're spending more time at home than we normally would. And it's time that we might have otherwise used for some kind of productive work or service. And what are we doing with that time? What are we filling it with? Are we filling it with things that 
are spiritual, things that are challenging to our spiritual lives? Are we growing spiritually during this time? Or are we filling our time and our thoughts and our energy with things that are not worthy, things that are not, things that are foolish, things that are frivolous? Here in this passage in Ephesians, verses 8 through 13, it talks about light and darkness. And it talks about how that we, as children of light, should relate to the world, to the things of this world, as representatives of the light. And then, in verse 14, it says this, Therefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Light brings, makes things manifest. It shows them for what they really are. And it's saying, wake up and rise from the dead and Christ will give thee light. And you'll be able to see the way things are in your life. You'll be able to evaluate them accurately. You'll have light into how you live. Then it goes on to say in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly or that you walk right not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Notice what it brings back in again. It brings back in time. You know, life and time are so closely knit together. Your time begins and ends with your life. And how we use our time is how we use our life. So how we're using our time, how we're using this time of being at home, being with our families, how we're using this time is how we're using our life. And you know what it says right after it tells us to redeem the time? Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know, some years ago it just hit me that the Spirit is also mind-altering. God wants our minds to be renewed by His Spirit. God doesn't want our minds to be altered by the wrong things, by the excess of anything in this world. He wants our minds to be altered by the right thing, altered by His Spirit. And then out of that will flow, as Jesus said, out of the abundance, out of the good treasure will come forth good things. Out of that will flow, verse 19 of chapter 5, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So out of your, out of your mouth, out of your life will flow good things, psalms and hymns, spiritual songs and a melody in your heart to the Lord. I'd like to bring this together for a conclusion. I believe one of the biggest challenges that we're facing as Christian church is our thinking. You've heard the saying, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I'm afraid we're thinking a little bit about many things, but not much about anything. 
I'm afraid that we're becoming too distracted to think deeply about the things of God. And as a result of that lack of focus on the things of God, we're not experiencing the level of spiritual renewal of the mind that will really give us decisive victory in the world. And I believe that's very much part of Satan's ploy and desire to tear down the church through distraction, through frivolity, through foolishness. He bombards us with these things in an attempt to distract us from the very real and very serious aspects of life. And I know as I've studied this, it's been a challenge for me, and I hope it's been a challenge to you and an encouragement to you this morning to continually be evaluating what you're doing, how you're living, how you're thinking, what you're doing with your time. Life is serious business, and it has serious consequence. And we can't we cannot fill our lives with emptiness and frivolity and expect to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. It just doesn't work that way. What we sow with our time, with our energy, with our focus, is what we will reap. May God give us grace to walk as children of light in a dark world. The Lord bless you.